Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Casper Wawinski, CEO of Casper Transportation. He runs a shuttle right now between Winnipeg and Selkirk. He is looking at some of the Greyhound runs when Greyhound gives them up at the end of October. Also on the way, Ultimate Frisbee. The World Championships are coming up here in Winnipeg. And Sherry Versluis from the Preferred Perch. We're going to talk about the birds and the bees. Not those birds and bees. We're going to talk about the birds and the bees and other stuff with her. On the podcast today, please rate the podcast and please subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy. Well, yesterday at about this time, we found out that Greyhound is getting out of Western Canada, shutting down business in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and B.C. And as I said yesterday, uh, when a door closes, a window opens. And now, who may take on some of these runs for passengers and for freight? Well, there is a company that's running a shuttle service right now between Winnipeg and Selkirk, and it has runs elsewhere as well. And we thought we would talk to the head of Casper Transportation about this. The CEO of Casper Transportation joins us now, Casper Wabinski. Casper, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, you have the run between Winnipeg and Selkirk. How long have you been doing that? Well, we've been doing that so quick since last year when exclusive bus lines pulled out. Okay, and how has it been? Lucrative? Well, the first uh, six months was pretty rough. Um, Obviously, one of the reasons why the other operators pulled out. But, uh, you know, everything is fixable. So we focused on fixing that route, and we did. And, you know, we did a lot of changes to it. Some changes maybe um, were not uh, so satisfactory to some passengers, but... At the end of the day, you got to make it feasible to sustain it, and that's what we did. And now we got a route that uh, is breaking even, maybe making a little bit um, a profit there, but at least it's here to stay. Yeah, right. And so you're committed to that route and others that you're uh, you're doing right now. Yeah, we got Winnipeg to uh, Sulukout, Sulukout to uh, Thunder Bay, Thunder Bay Long Black. We got Red Lake, Fort Francis, Thunder Bay. So obviously, with Graham moving out. Uh, it's opening up new opportunities, like you said. Yeah, so will you be looking at some of those other locations, some of those other communities that Greyhound has been serving that now maybe Casper might get into, like the Paw and Thompson, some of those other spots? Yeah, Thompson, the Paw, Flinflon, uh, Dauphin. Um, we look at going back to Regina out in that area. And, um, yeah, we also want to look at doing a direct run from uh, Winnipeg to uh, Thunder Bay without stopping in Sulukout. And, 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 and Greyhound is also pulling out of uh, some parts of northern Ontario. Uh, so we're going to be looking at uh, running out to uh, Marathon Red River and connecting with the Ontario Northland, which is the uh, Crown Corporation doing some transportation out in the um, uh, eastern northern Ontario. Right. And do you do freight or uh, freight as well or just passengers? Yeah, we do freight and uh, we uh, do passenger. Passengers are our main bread and butter, um, and we focus on passengers. But uh, parcels is always a nice addition. And um, if somebody needs last-minute deliveries, we're more than open to take the package. So if you look at the routes now that uh, will be uh, abandoned by Greyhound in October, at the end of October, what routes really interest you in the province of Manitoba? Well, Thompson, uh, Gimli there... um, 
um, looking at um, uh, Flimflon, Depaw, um, um, and, and Dolphin. Mm. And what about pricing? What are you charging between Winnipeg and Selkirk right now? Uh, I'm charging $12 right now between those two points. Um, but that's a little bit of a different type of run because it's more of a um, commuter run. A shuttle um, service almost, yeah. Yeah, if you look at the uh, cost of inter intercity transportation, you know, it will range anywhere from 20 to $30 uh, per hour per seat on the bus. So a Thompson run could cost anywhere from 90 to 140 the cost have significantly gone up in the last 12 months when it comes to fuel in, in general inflation cost of equipment and lots of other stuff so unfortunately prices are not coming down anytime soon but uh you know to maintain a viable business you've got to uh walk that fine line right sure and you know i was looking at some of the greyhound rates and i was surprised at how high they are like uh, some of the numbers really surprised me and you're saying you can deliver people and packages to various locations for between 20 and 30 dollars an hour per person yeah per hour seat yeah so if you got a you know thompson is a 14-hour drive right so if you divide the cost of the ticket they're charging on a 14-hour trip it's actually very cost effective um, so, you know, the longer the trip gets, the, the cheaper it kind of gets per seat. Um, you know, I, I, for example, from, uh, we, you know, let's say, give an example, let's say Pegwis or the area around Pegwis to Winnipeg, a ticket would range around $60, $70, right? It may seem like a lot, but, you know, vehicles, the cheapest vehicle you can get that can do the job is $68,000 and the vehicles go up to two two hundred fifty. A full-size motor coach costs 600000 U.S. from MCI. So, you know, if you've got to amortize that cost over a per seat per day per route and, you know, the driver expense and, you know, you got your maintenance, it's, 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 it may seem like it's expensive, but, you know, I always ask people to look at the, the, the bigger picture and, you know, you know, and, yeah, airlines are fairly competitive on some, some routes. Like, it's hard to beat Winnipeg to Toronto. You can't compete on that route. You can't compete on Winnipeg to Vancouver with a bus. There's some routes you just can't compete on, and some routes you can. I mean, airlines are struggling to be competitive on short-distance routes. Um, under, let's say, under, like Winnipeg's under Bay is probably, you know, um, even a route where airline cost is quite quite high. I mean, it costs 500 bucks to go from Thunder Bay to Winnipeg compared to a bus ticket at 140 160 right? Right. And I imagine if you're going, say, Winnipeg to Thunder Bay, for example, you can get a flight. Uh, but obviously, if you're uh, I mean, I guess you can get flights to Thompson as well. But uh, I would imagine, uh, you know, when you're the only show in town, if Casper Transportation comes in with a bus and says, we'll do it and you don't have any competition. I mean, that has to be good for business, right? Well, you know, that's what at least the theory would say. Sometimes you're still losing money. Sometimes you're breaking even. So it doesn't just because you're the only game in town doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to be uh, um, overly um, profitable. But at least there's at least a business case and and motivation to do it in in that kind of scenario in hopes of you know being able to earn an industry standard average, right? Mm. Hey, I got a couple text messages from listeners here asking bo- about locations. Let me just throw these at you, Casper, and then I'll let you go. Somebody says, what about Grand Beach? Is that something that would interest you, an hour run like that to a beach? Yeah, we were looking at running uh, north of Silk Creek along the, um, the western side of the lake there, um, up to uh, Pegwis, and, you know, um, uh, I think it's uh, Winnipeg Beach. Winnipeg Beach, yep. 
Yeah, so we're looking at that. You know, um, you know, it's always about the, um, the 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 foundation. With some of these roots becoming um, a little bit, um, well, with, with Greyhound pulling out on some of these roots, it's becoming a little bit more attractive to invest in more infrastructure out there. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and then other people. Uh, Scott, Scott is. There, yeah. yeah, Scott is also asking about cottage country, Lactabonny, uh, Victoria yeah. Beach, some of those other locations. But again, I guess these are all things that you would at least consider. Are there any? Somebody mentioned Beaver bus lines as well. Are there any other companies besides yours, like Beaver, that might go? Hey, we'll take a shot at this now. Oh yeah, there's exclusive bus lines out there, and there's a few other ones like you know Vital and and a few other ones out there. You know, a lot of them specialize in charters. They don't necessarily do the schedule. There's a lot of risk with committing to something, whether you have guaranteed traffic or not, right? But, you know, it's just it's just about the company vision and culture on whether they want to take that risk and, 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 and go down that path because obviously, you know, Grey Goose did pretty good and some other ones didn't do so good, right? Mm-hmm. Casper, I know you're very busy today. I appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Kasper Wabinski, CEO of Casper Transportation, looking at maybe taking a shot at some of the runs that Greyhound will be abandoning at the end of October. Sort of interesting info, Ultimate Frisbee, I'm sure you've heard of that. Uh, It's been around for a while. Well, the World Championships are coming to Winnipeg, and we've got a couple people here to talk with us about that today. And uh, they are Mark Lloyd and also Aaron McKinley. And uh, Mark, uh, first of all, we'll start with you. Tell us about the World Masters Ultimate Club Championships here in Winnipeg. They start at the end of the month. Yeah, so we have... uh 72 teams from 13 different countries coming to Winnipeg from July 29th until August 4th. Uh, it's the World Masters Club Championship, so it's club teams uh, that have earned the right to compete here through their own national championships. Yep. And um, it's the Masters Division, so we've got uh, players who, uh, I guess, 33 and older in the men's division and 30 and older in the women's divisions. Yeah. How long has Ultimate Frisbee been around? Oh, geez. Quite a while, eh? I think that uh, actually we're we're keying in on around the 50th year since it was invented in New Jersey. Wow. And I'm curious to know, because the World Championships are here, is Winnipeg kind of a hotbed for this? Because another sport is dodgeball. For whatever reason, dodgeball is big in Winnipeg, right? I don't know why. Is this a a popular sport in Winnipeg, Ultimate Frisbee? Yeah, I think it's definitely a, I would call us a hotbed for it, especially on the Canadian scene. Um, we're not, you know, one of the top uh, populations in, in the country, but in terms of ultimate participation, I think we rank third or fourth in the country behind Toronto, Vancouver, and, and maybe Montreal. So uh, we have a lot of people playing it. We've got around uh, 5,000 members uh, in our community here, and we send players to the national teams every year and get lots of participation. And Aaron, uh, your team is Mint. That's right. That's one of the teams that will be competing in the World Championships. Right. And you got there because you're from Winnipeg or you're that good? Well, we actually got a late a late bid, but we did get it from our placement at Nationals. So uh, we were, were just lucky that we got a late bid and we're local. Yeah. And what do you have to be, to be good at this sport, what are some skills that you need? Um, you have to have disc skills. Uh, 
be able to throw all kinds of different types of throws, be fit, to be able to run. There's a lot more running than people think in Ultimate Frisbee. Um, We have to have a lot of field sense and field awareness, just like most other sports. Mm -hmm. All of those types of things. Mental, Mental toughness. Yeah. So talk about the game itself. How do you score points? What's the, what's the, uh, what, either one of you, what, what's it all about? How does it, how does it work? Is it like football or more like baseball or basketball or what are the, does the Frisbee have to hit something or? Yeah. I, so I guess the, the scoring element would be most similar to football in that there's an end zone that you're trying to throw a pass to. Um, it's similar to a handball in that you can't run when you have the disc, so you can't. You're not allowed to run a score, and you have to throw it to a teammate in the end zone. And then there's elements similar to soccer in that the the game just moves back and forward. There's no if there's a turnover, a change of possession. There's no stopping and subbing in players. Mm. It's just continual movement, similar to soccer. Yeah. And speaking of soccer, any flopping, which I just found out, that's what you call it when somebody's faking an injury. Any any faking injuries, Aaron? No, there there isn't actually because the game is um, self-officiated. So there's no referees in our game. So we call all of our own fouls, all of our own violations, and all really? of our own Really? That's interesting. Stuff. That's right, yeah. Wow. And is there ever debate about that? or? Of course. Um, spirit of the game is a huge part of Ultimate, and it's mm. it's kind of the backbone of Ultimate in that we all respect the competition and then we respect each other and the rules. Yeah. So if there is debate, um, there's in place a sequence for what happens and then the disc will just go back to where the the last uncontested play was Mm -hmm. how did you get into this um i started playing probably uh 10 years ago and it was mostly because lots of the leagues in the city are co-ed and they just needed girls to play and then from there i just start i started playing competitively and then it's gone from there yeah i was going to ask you about that so there there are co-ed teams Will there be co-ed uh, teams, Mark, in, in the World Championship here, as well as male and female teams? Yeah, so we'll have four different divisions here. Uh, the men's division, women's division, uh, a co-ed division or, or mixed, and then a grandmaster's division. So uh, another age bracket up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the sport at its root is played uh, co-ed, and that's just a great way to get participation uh, numbers up. Um, but you know, at the highest level that the sport goes to, it competes at the World Games, um, a level below the Olympics. It's also played co-ed. Hmm. And are there uh, recreation? You know, we talk about rec hockey, right? Are there recreational teams in Winnipeg? So somebody goes, I've never done this before, but it sounds like it would be fun. There are teams out there looking for players or or opportunities for people to play this sport. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the company that I work for that's running the World Championship, the Manitoba Organization of Disc Sports, uh, we run leagues throughout the year. Uh, we're outdoors in the summer, and then we find indoor venues in the winter, uh, and most of our leagues are co-ed, and everyone's always looking for players. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, if you have a group of friends and you want to start up, we have different tiers of leagues, so you're not going to be outmatched by people who have been playing for 20 years. Yeah. Um, tons of ways to get involved and, and to learn the sport. So your company, uh, you said disc sports with an yeah. S on the end. So mm-hmm. there are various sports sort of in this type of sport? Yeah, so the, uh, Ultimate is one of the sports that we do. It's, it's our main sport, mm-hmm. but there's also disc golf. Um, other sports that don't necessarily uh, occur as much. There's a game called Guts, which is pretty much you take a, a softer Frisbee and you throw it at the other team and you try to get them to drop it. 
Um, and then there's freestyle, so just sort of you know an artistic element with a frisbee. So there's different hmm. uh, things you can do with a disc, but uh, I'd say ultimate is uh, ultimate and disc golf are our main two for sure. Yeah, and uh, Aaron, you're on on Mint. Uh, what other lo- like do you are there other teams locally that will be taking part that you're really hoping to to beat or or I mean the teams are coming from all over the world right Mark we should mention that countries everywhere are sending teams to this yeah so we've got uh, teams coming from uh, New Zealand Australia India um, uh, let's see Singapore uh, close as the U S but I mean we've got yeah. people from all over the world mm-hmm. some European countries as well. Uh, and, you know, from the local side, we have uh, Mint in the women's division, and then we have... Uh, yeah, let's get the local teams mentioned anyhow. We'll do that. Go ahead. Yeah, mention so the local Mint teams. is in the women's division. Uh, we have uh, Torque in the men's division, and then Grandmasters of the Universe in the Grandmasters division. Excellent. Cool. How can people, because I'm sure you want people to come out and watch, right? It's happening at Little Mountain. And then uh, it's also at IGF. The final is is at IGF, the final. So yeah. tell people how they can get their tickets, a website, whatever. Yeah, so from uh, July 29th until August 3rd, we'll be at Little Mountain Sportsplex for round robin and playoffs. Uh, you can get tickets at WMUCC2018.com um, or just show up on site the day of. Uh, day passes are $10, and that gets you into... Uh, any place on the venue, oh, um, as well that's as our showcase eh? showcase field, um, and there's different events each night as well. That mm. uh, if you know, 18 and over, you'll get into those events as well. Yeah. Um, and then the finals investors group field on August 4th. Uh, Ticketmaster is doing the ticketing for that. All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for coming in and tell us, Aaron. Good luck. Thank you. Best of luck to Mint. Thank you. We're looking forward you, to you it. You and everybody on on the team. And uh, Mark, thank you for coming in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Aaron McKinley and Mark Lloyd here. The uh, World's Ultimate Frisbee Championship happening here in Winnipeg, July 29th to August 4th. And uh, Sherry Versluis joins us on the phone from the Preferred Perch. Hello, Sherry. Hi, how? Good to talk to you. I wanted to bring you on for a few things today. It's been a while uh, since uh, we've chatted, and so I wanted to bring you on and talk about a bunch of stuff. But these bees, uh, this story's in the news today, bees on the roof over at Great West Life. This is a good idea. More and more people, businesses are doing this. It is excellent news because, you know, a lot of nature's creatures that are in trouble right now really are being saved by the grassroots communities of just local people doing the right thing. Um, this is like a perfect example of, you know, of a company taking what they have and using it to help out nature and the environment. Um, that also goes for the monarch butterflies. That's another creature that's been in the news for the past few years with incredible declines. And they're even talking about putting them on a threatened species list if the numbers keep declining at this rate each year. Hmm. But people have taken that upon themselves and have been making the effort to plant wildflower gardens that cater to the bees, the butterflies, and the birds. So monarchs have actually started to make a huge comeback just in the past few years just because of people making that effort in their own backyards to plant the right plants. Well, I was wondering about that because I have definitely seen more 
monarch butterflies. In fact, I was telling Jeff Courier at the end of his show, uh, last week, I think it was, I was getting out of my truck here at CGOB in Polo Park, and I opened my door, and I kind of put my leg out, and one landed on my knee, and I sat there and watched (laughs) it for about 30 or 45 seconds, and then it took off. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so no, their numbers really are coming back. I agree with you. A few years ago, I remember not seeing a single one the Mm. entire summer, and now they're really coming back because people have made the effort to start planting milkweed. Um, one of the big things is for people who don't know is milkweed is the imperative plant for monarchs to survive. It is the only plant they lay eggs on, and it's the only plant that their caterpillars will eat. So without milkweed, there is no monarchs. And unfortunately, through the Midwest area, there's a, a lot of area where they grow GMO corn for the ethanol industry. And throughout that whole stretch of the Midwest, they have absolutely eliminated milkweed. So there's a huge gap from when the monarchs are coming from Mexico to Canada. There is a big stretch there with no milkweed. So, again, the grassroots communities, the people started making the effort to plant, and that's what's really helping them along and helping them come back. So I really commend Great West and any other business that has the opportunity to do something like that because it's it's us who's going to make these things carry on. Yeah. Well, and we can do it too, right? There are stores around that are selling these bee kits. That's right. There's uh, actual like beehives people are getting into, and there's also bee houses for mason bees. So mason bees are an extreme pollinator. They don't collect honey like a honeybee would but they pollinate trees and plants and they're very beneficial to the environment. So there's actual bee houses you can get for these type of bees to be able to maintain their populations. So there's many ways people can do things to to help nature out, but by all means, uh, a wildflower garden is an incredible thing, planting native plants. The, The only thing people have to watch for is when they're buying these plants, some companies are still treating the plants with neonicotinoids, neonics for short you may have heard that word in the news that is like what is the leading cause of the decline of bees right now is neonics they're basically a pesticide for the plants but it is really killing off the bees so you got to make sure where you buy your plants you ask them are these treated or are they just natural native plants so that's something people should be educated about because people are trying to do the right thing. You know, they buy the plant that they're told to get, but they're not aware that that plant may actually be counteractive to what they're trying to do. Yeah. And then I know you wanted to talk a bit about the difference between bees and wasps and hornets. Yes, I really recommend people look them up on the Internet to really learn the difference because I know we, we all fear wasps and hornets. I mean, those guys attack for no reason sometimes, but... Uh, a lot of people are really, you know, they just see a black and yellow insect and they're immediately thinking it's it's something not good. Um, sometimes in summer what can happen is honeybees can swarm. And what that is is uh, the queen will leave a hive. It might be a queen leaving to start a new hive, but all of the bees will follow her, all the worker bees. So you may all of a sudden be somewhere and see this mass of thousands of bees either clinging to a tree or, for example, last week in front of the King's Head pub of all places, somebody had come out and their car was covered in bees and they were honeybees. And, of course, everybody was panicking, thinking, not really knowing what they were. And, unfortunately, they were all sprayed with some kind of oil to kill them all. So an entire 
colony of honeybees was killed because people just weren't sure what they were. So if people ever encounter a swarm situation, they can call 311 or they can even Google online Winnipeg beekeepers because there's many beekeepers you can call and they will come out and gather up that that colony and take them to give them a hive so that they can carry on. Wow. Is that the best way to handle it then, to, to get help? Or is there something that somebody could do? Uh, so that that would be your best advice then if you come out and see a whole bunch of bees on your car or, or whatever. That's the best way to do it, eh? Yeah, or you can just wait it out because they yeah. are going to move on. Like they are moving on to find somewhere to, to create a hive, just that in the meantime they were all clean because the bees are all there to protect the, the queen. Mm. So that's why you're seeing these masses of them. So you can either wait it out or definitely uh, call a beekeeper because they'll come out right away and gather up the swarm and take them away. Good. Well, let's talk about birds now. Boy, we're seeing a lot of baby birds at our feeders at home. Talk about this being, well, baby time for the birds. It really is. It is. Last night, I was treated to a family of Orioles. I had the parents there feeding the babies some grape jelly in my yard. So that was a real thrill. But it's uh, all the baby chickadees are out right now. All the hairy and downy woodpeckers are out. Uh, baby blue jays. I don't know if you're seeing them, Hal, but my God, they're quite vocal. The whole family is out screaming and squawking out there. So, yeah, for people who feed uh, feed the birds in the summer, they're really getting a lot of enjoyment right now because the babies are very clumsy and very goofy, and it's quite entertaining to watch at the feeders. We haven't seen any baby blue jays, but we have had a couple of blue jays that we've seen, no, no babies. But you know what? And I don't know what it was. It wasn't there long enough for me to kind of focus and decide what it was, but it was a bird of prey of some kind. I don't know if it was a hawk or a falcon or whatever it was, but it landed at the top of our fence right outside our living room window and it was there for well i don't know maybe 10 or 15 seconds then it was off again by the time i hollered at jackie to come and take a look it was gone but kind of unusual isn't it to see those birds at that level of life not always that's that's an interesting thing to bring up because there is a particular predator that has become so prolific in manitoba the past few years and it's called a merlin Hmm. so merlin is a type of falcon And they, for some reason, have discovered the city and have started nesting here and are having extraordinary success. And that has not been beneficial. Sorry, our line beeped there. It has not been beneficial for the songbirds. Um, Unfortunately, they feed on songbirds. Okay, that's the end of that beep. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) They feed on the songbirds and... The problem is the purple martins, for example. Don't you have a purple martin house, Hal? I do, and I was going to get to purple martins in a bit, but you go ahead. Say whatever you want to say. Well, these merlins have actually eaten entire colonies of purple martins. I have some customers who do not have a single bird left because these merlins have come and eaten every last one of them. Wow. So they, and purple martins are already a bird of concern. Any of the aerial insectivores, as we describe birds that eat on the wing when they eat in flight, they are all declining in an extraordinary number. Um, barn swallows, for example, a lot of people used to deal with barn swallows nesting on the side of their house and mm-hmm. dive bombing them. Yeah. Well, those are now a threatened species, and they are declining so rapidly they may even be on the endangered species list within a couple years. Wow, when I was a kid, there were tons of those swallows, like everywhere, right? You're and right. and yep. yeah, hmm. yeah. Now they're they're you you rarely see them, and they should be something we see all over soaring in the sky. But their numbers have just absolutely plummeted. 
So now to have something like a predator like this taking a toll, like one customer, it was 52 Purple Martins that her colony was was made of, and she's got not one left. Oh, my. But these, so, these bigger birds, though, these birds of prey, they, they will go after any smaller bird, not just Purple Martins, eh? Exactly. They'll mm. eat anything. And that The Merlins are a real problem because they tend to go after all of the nice migratory birds that come here, like all of the Orioles, Warblers, the little finches. So all of the birds that are really imperative to the environment are the ones that they tend to prey on. So mm. it really is a problem. I wonder if this Merlin, then, is maybe why... I am not seeing as many purple martins because I got three big houses. A few years ago, I had so many I couldn't count them. Now this year, they came very late, and I think I've probably only got six or seven of them. That is probably what's going on. Like, I'll bet you that one you saw, it could have been a Cooper's hawk or a Merlin that you saw most likely. Mm -hmm. And both of them really do feed on those purple martins. So I'll bet you, you know, while you're here at work today, that hawk is around there taking uh, dinner causing trouble wow yes. let yeah. me let me read a couple of text messages that i one i got earlier and then i'm getting a couple uh right now while we're chatting let me just throw these at you sure. sherry we're talking to sherry versluce from the preferred perch i mentioned this uh bird of prey that i cited earlier not knowing what it was wes sent this in 204 wes says how some years ago i had a family of cooper hawks in my area their main food was other birds it was fast Fascinating watching them as they brought various dead birds for the young ones who were moving around our yards. Google them and see if that's what you saw. They were only around for one summer. Other bird activity virtually came to a halt around my place. That's from Wes. Right. Yep. That's the Cooper's Hawks. When those are Merlins are in your neighborhood, you really will see almost no robins. No, Like you'll see no birds. They literally drive anything like that out of the neighborhood. So the Cooper's Hawk, to, uh, Cooper's Hawk and the Merlin are the same, just different names? No, they are. Oh, okay. um, the Merlin is a falcon and the Cooper's Hawk is a hawk. So yeah. they are a little bit different, but they are both a bird of prey. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me just get to, I had one here. Oh, uh, we're moving on to bigger animals. And I know you, a lot, you know a lot about all these uh, birds and animals and bugs. Dennis wants to know about raccoons. Anything happening with raccoons? Oh, those have been the talk of this store the past couple of weeks. I'll tell you, people are just being inundated with them in all areas. People are waking up in the morning finding bird feeders taken off the trees and broken or dragged away or uh, coming in their yard at night and eating tomatoes and getting into attics, getting into garages. So, yeah, there is raccoons everywhere, and they definitely, we've been getting loads of calls and people coming in saying, what am I going to do? So, Mm. yeah, they are difficult because they are one of those critters that are so cute, but, man, are they destructive. Yeah. Kathy, uh, text message from Kathy, she goes, Hal, we have a bee house uh, that had lodgers. We have five cylinders sealed the seals have been broken open how can we prevent this like they've been broken open now yeah i'm not i'm not sure that's all it says i was hoping you might know what she was talking about well the way mason bee houses work is um they will throughout the summer they will gather mud and pollen and bring it into these little bee houses and then they lay eggs and then they bring more mud and pollen, lay more eggs, and they do that all the way to the end of these cylinders that they do this in. Mm. And then you put a little sticker over the end of it for winter to protect them. So come spring, those seals should come off so that the bees can hatch and come out. So I'm not sure 
like those those uh, seals shouldn't be on there just yet. So I'm not sure what timing she's talking about with those. She can always give me a call at the store if she wants so I can talk to her more about that. Now I'll get you to give your number at the end here. We're just about sure. done. Dawn okay. says, how we live in the country, we have lots of barn swallows, at least five nests. So they're around, but just not the numbers that once were. Exactly, and that's great to hear that because a lot of people who had the numbers like that are not seeing anything now. So that is good to hear somebody out there seeing that many. Yeah, I think I can answer this one, but I'll let you answer it too. Hal, what about crows? Do they scare away other birds? My answer would be yes. I've seen it firsthand. Yes, they do. I mean, they're definitely a predator as well, and they'll take advantage of, you know, baby birds or baby bunnies or injured birds. So, I mean... Their presence isn't quite as dramatic as the birds of prey that we talked about. Like, you'll still see birds in the neighborhood, but, you know, if a crow is getting close, definitely those birds are going to be out of there. But the birds of prey are a real different story. Yeah, always great talking to you. We're, at, we're actually past time. i got to run. Okay. But anything else you wanted to mention about birds in general this summer? No, just everybody take the time to enjoy the birds because we all need to be in touch with nature and watching birds is a great way to stay in tune. So enjoy. Absolutely. Preferred Perch open seven days a week. What's the address on St. Mary's? We're at 1604 St. Mary's Road and you can reach us at 25 Perch. 25 Perch, 204-257-3724-25 Perch. Sherry, always great chatting with you. Thank you again. Thank you too, Hal. Take care. Appreciate it.